It is good to see all of you out today. We are glad that you are here with us. I think this is the most that we've had since the virus, since we came back. And we're glad to see each and every one of you today. Today's lesson is based on a song. Back years ago, when I was growing up, for 20 years, Marion West was our preacher at Science Hill. And today I decided to pull a little something out of his playbook. And he used to do a lot of uh, lessons on songs. And I actually, uh, the song is not in our songbook, but I did put it in the bulletin for you so you could look at the words. Um, and it is a, it's a song that I grew up singing a lot because it was in our songbook and we, we sang it a lot. But the, the song is called God is the Answer. Whenever we think of life's questions, and certainly life is full of questions, we have a lot of things that we are concerned about. And whenever we are concerned, and whenever we have questions, I want you to know that God is the answer. When we have no other answers, God is the answer. When life seems unbearable, God is the answer. When we are overwhelmed by sorrows, troubles, and trials, God is the answer. When we are worried, God is the answer. When we don't know what else to do, when we have nowhere else to go, God is always the answer. Brother C. Smith wrote a beautiful song that tells us that God is the answer. So today I want to share with you his words, the words that he wrote, and I want to put them in the form of a lesson. Something that you can understand, something that you can learn from, something that you can take with you when you leave today. The first line of the song, God is the answer to all our sorrow. All of our sorrow. God is the answer to all of our sorrow when life is so hard to bear. Yes, He'll like the pathway and give joy tomorrow. No more heavy burden up there. Whenever we have sorrows, and certainly we do have sorrows, we have things that sadden us deeply. It's important to know that when we have sorrow in our lives, and we will have sorrow, there is uh, even the guarantee, really. You know, a lot of people think whenever we become Christians that, that the hard things in life go away. They don't. And many times they become harder. And there are a lot of people that, that have trouble overcoming them for that reason. Did you know that even Jesus had sorrow? Did you know that? Jesus had sorrow. As a matter of fact, we read probably uh, of the deepest of His sorrows in Matthew 26. Beginning with verse 36. The deepest of sorrow over what was to come. His betrayal and arrest. A false trial. Undeserved punishment and crucifixion. God 
was his answer. God was the answer for Jesus. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And of course, Jesus knew what was ahead for Peter. He knew of Peter's own betrayal in denying Jesus. Verse 42 Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Luke gives us a detail that is not found in the other accounts, but he tells us that that Jesus was in so much sorrow and so much agony whenever he prayed that his sweat was as great drops of blood. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what he had to do. He knew what would be required of him in order for man to have salvation. He knew that he must sacrifice his life on a cross and yet he goes and he prays. Oh my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Not my will, but thine be done. Even when Jesus came into the earth, whenever he came and ministered to people, he did so with the intention of doing His Father's will always. When Jesus, the Son of God, was in sorrow, He prayed to God for help. For answers. Was there another way? Of course, he knew 
that his father's will must be done and his father knew that there was no other way that this could be accomplished. But when he was in sorrow, Jesus went to God. God was the answer for him. And so, we learn from Jesus that even today when we face the deepest of sorrows, that God is the answer. God is the answer. We too can pray to Him for help. We can pray to Him for answers to life's questions. Maybe we don't receive the answers that we expect, but we always receive the answers that we need. And God is the answer. When no one else can help us, we know that God can. And that leads us to the second verse of the psalm. God is the answer when friends are so helpless. He is the giver of life. And someday we'll enter that great land of promise where there never cometh a night. When friends are so helpless. Sometimes it's not because they don't want to be of help. They think they may be of help even. But there are times where we feel very alone because even with the help of friends, sometimes it's just not enough. It's not enough to ease our burdens. It's not enough to ease our sorrows. I think of Job. Job is a great example, I think, of helpless friends. It wasn't that they meant to be helpless. It, it wasn't that they meant to be harmful to him, that they meant to be a discouragement to him. They thought they were doing the right thing. But we find that their help was really no help at all in the situation that Job faced. Let's look at the encouragement of his wife, first of all, in Job chapter 2, in verse 9. Remember what she said to him. After he had lost everything, she says, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. That's what she told him. Curse God and die. And yet we're told that Job did not do that. He did not follow her advice. And he remained sinless. We look at the encouragement of his friends. Take, for instance, the encouragement of Eliphaz in Job 5, verses 17 through 19. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty, for he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. He shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. Except the chastisement of God. Learn from it. Be faithful to Him. That was His encouragement. In Job chapter 8, verses 4 through 7, we read the encouragement of Bildad. If your sons have sinned against Him, 
He has cast them away from their transgression. If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the Almighty, if you were pure and upright, surely now He would awake for you and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. We have the encouragement of Zophar in Job 11, verses 2 through 6. Should not the multitude of words be answered, and should a man full of talk be vindicated? Should your empty talk make men hold their peace, and when you mock, should no one rebuke you? For you have said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in your eyes, but oh, that God would speak and open his lips against you, that he would show you the secrets of wisdom, for they would double your prudence. Know therefore that God exacts from you less than your iniquity deserves. I realize there's another friend, but I think you get the point. The friends that Job had, they weren't very friendly, and they weren't very helpful in his time of need. But you know what? God was his answer. God was his answer. I want you to notice what Job himself says in Job 42, verses 2 through 6. Job 42, beginning with verse 2. I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job's affliction was not because he had somehow done something wrong and he was being punished for it. He was afflicted rather because of his righteousness, because of his true righteousness. And his friends didn't understand that. Sometimes uh, our friends, meaning well, they may give us advice. But always remember that when friends fail us, and they will, God is the answer. And Job found that God was his answer. And we, like Job, when we realize the magnificence, the magnificence of God, we again recognize that God is the answer. He is the answer to our salvation. He is the answer when we've been less than faithful. God is the answer. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is the answer. When he knew that we had nothing else that we could do, 
in regard to our salvation. There was nothing that we could do to earn it. He loved us so much that He sent His only Son to die on the cross for us so that He might be the very answer to everything that we need. God is still the answer to our salvation even today. God is the answer. When we come to the, the final verse of the song, God is the answer when trials are given. Go to the Savior in prayer. And He'll intercede with our Father in heaven if we humbly ask God in prayer. I want us to notice for a moment the example of Daniel. The example of Daniel. Daniel, when he faced persecution, as a matter of fact, when it was forbidden by law to pray to his God, what did Daniel do? Daniel 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew... He knew. He knew the law. He knew what had happened. He wasn't completely oblivious. He wasn't ignorant of it. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He knew the writing of the law that he was not to petition anyone save for the king for a period of time. And Daniel knowing, knowing this, he didn't hide. He didn't go in a closet. And he didn't cease to pray. He did just as he always had done. He prayed three times that day with his window open toward Jerusalem. He prayed. He gave thanks before his God. He prayed. He knew in the face of, while facing persecution, he knew that when others were trying to get him to renounce his faith in his God, He knew that God was still the answer. God was the answer to his dilemma. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den, as according to the law. But we also find that he was delivered. In Daniel 6, verses 21 through 23, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. 
when we are tried by others, when we face difficult dilemmas, when we don't know what to do, God is the answer. And just as it was important for Daniel, prayer is an important key to the Christian's continued faithfulness. Maybe we would understand Daniel's predicament a little more if we lived in a country where we were not free to pray to the God of heaven. Maybe if we saw how others live in such circumstances, maybe it would help us to understand just a little bit more what Daniel was going through. But Daniel remembered. He didn't forget that God was his answer. And God is always the answer. If you have the song before you, let's try to, to learn it if we can, okay? <clears throat> Too many things on here. God is the answer. Do me. Right. A flat. God is the answer to all of our sorrow. When life is so hard to bear, yes, He'll light the pathway and give joy to Soon he will call us 
heavens and live in a mansion up there. God is the answer when trials are given. Go to the Savior in prayer and he'll intercede with our Father in heaven if we humbly ask God in prayer yes God is the answer God is the answer ask him for mercy in prayer and and live in a mansion up there. God is the answer. He is always the answer. No matter what we face, God is the answer. Just as God was the answer for Jesus, for Job, for Daniel, so God is the answer for us. When we are burdened with sorrow, when friends are unable to help us, when we face trials and temptations sore, God is always the answer. And He is your answer today. I hope that you're a faithful child of God. And I hope that you realize how much that God is the answer to all of life's situations, all the things that you face. But if you're not a child of God today, then certainly we want you to be one. And so we offer the Lord's invitation. If you were only realizing today that God is the answer, Maybe you realize what you need to do. From the scriptures we are told. Faith is important. Hearing, believing, and confessing that faith in Christ. Repenting of sins. Being baptized for the remission, for the forgiveness of those sins. It's an important step in our lives. Maybe you have obeyed the gospel, but maybe you've not remained faithful. and Maybe you need to come back. Realize that God is your answer. And so, if you're in need of responding to the Lord's invitation today, if there is something that we can do to help you, certainly we want to do so. As together we stand and as we sing.